right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Daily Dimensions podcast. I am your host, Smitty, always back with another one, man. If you're listening to this, you know it's a Monday. Maybe you caught it late and it's Tuesday, but each and every Monday we're here with new episodes doing our thing, man. And today I'm joined by uh, my my friend, an artist, and inspiration to us all, Tay Chanel. Welcome to the show, Tay. <laughs> welcome, welcome, welcome. And before we get started, um, can you tell people where to find you on social media? Any any handles, any shameless plugs you want to throw out there? Definitely Instagram. Follow me at Coco underscore Chanel. C-H-Y-N-E-L-L-E because we unique out here. <laughs> <laughs> and she um, definitely practiced that before. <laughs> Just yeah, had to I make did. sure we got it I right. Did. <laughs> <laughs> all right, all right, all right. So for the people that don't know you, um, you know, Tay is an inspiration, but more than an inspiration, she's just like an amazing human being, uh, an amazing person to be around. And you, you have this liveliness to you and it, it, it exudes in your in your personality and just what you do. Mm-hmm. Um, I've never I'm not. Cry. <laughs> <laughs> we didn't practice this. I'm going to cry. <laughs> All right. If you've ever done an interview with me. You know I don't really brief people too much. Mm-hmm. So whatever I say is definitely natural and it's, it's off the top. But um, I want to say thank you for being you. And uh, thank you for coming on the show. Definitely, definitely thank you for being here. So you're in the art space. You're another creative individual just like me. Um, and art is one of those things where it's taken off more now than I've seen before. You know, I've never really seen so many people who are like wanting to buy art uh, uh, supporting black art like i now have a bunch of paintings in my bedroom from black artists that i know and love and support i gotta get a piece from you uh (laughs) i still need it but um how did you get into that art journey you know at what point did you know okay art is my passion this is what i want to do i'm gonna be an artist and people are just gonna have to love it well, I've always known that I loved art. Um, the farthest I can trace back is kindergarten. <laughs> it's funny because, you know, in kindergarten, you don't really get hard assignments. You get a lot of, like, visual type things, I guess, maybe for child development. Um, but I noticed while everybody was doing stick figures, I was really sitting there trying to draw the full person. Oh, I you was trying to make people people. Yeah, I was trying to make people people. <laughs> it didn't quite look like it yet, but I definitely did try Um but I don't know. It was just something that I just couldn't get rid of. I always, my favorite subject was always art class. I, I hated gym. I hated math. I hated all the other <laughs> subjects. I did it and I did it well, but I was always very excited for art. I even found myself like doing things like tracing um, my mm. binders. You know how we used to have those like cartoon binders and yeah. stuff? Yeah, I would be tracing those in class and then trying to freehand it. And I've always loved art. Um, there's nothing I've, was just as passionate about really um for um for the people who i don't know just like any creative any person who is really creative there's just something that you naturally excel in 
Yeah. That makes sense. It's, it's not something you got to force. Yeah. Okay. Like, it just comes to you. Just like anybody who likes math, they're like, oh, okay, Miss Math teacher, blah, blah, blah. And, like, they do really well at it. Or anybody who's, like, really into sports, they love gym yeah. class. It's just something you pick up on, and it, it really just sticks with you. So being young and being the person that was in the art, were you ever seen as, like, okay, you might be, like, the weird kid in class, or you're, like, you're... Were you the less popular kid in class or you no. you were still popular and you just happened to be good at art? You know, it's a really weird thing. I got along with everybody. Um, I wasn't the popular kid, but I wasn't a nerd either. You were either. somewhere in the middle? Yeah. I, okay. I talked to everybody. I sat at every lunch table and that's like the really weird thing about it. I can't remember being like picked on because I was weird or, you know, um, you know, kind of like doing all the things that popular kids did at yeah. the same time. I just floated in the middle. I got along with everybody. I just vibed out. Everybody seemed to be cool with me. The middle is a good spot to yeah. be. <laughs> I was definitely a middle person. Like, I was that person that, like, you know, in, like, high school, it would be them kids that was running down the hallway with the arms behind their back. <laughs> like, in my spirit, I wanted to do that because yes, I watched yeah. them same shows. But at the same time, I was also cool with, like, because I played football. I was cool with everybody else and, like. I was in the in crowd, but I'm not in the in crowd, but I was cool with all the people who was running down the hall right. <laughs> with yeah. the arms behind their back. So being in the middle is definitely dope. You meet a lot of cool people in the middle. I think, you know, it was maybe my personality. I'm just a bubbly person naturally. I've always been that way. Tell you, come it's later. the personality, man. Um, I also had nice clothes then. Okay. Well, <laughs> I was a little brat. But yeah, the fat farm and the, uh, what was it, baby fat? And I don't know. Anything that was popular at the time, I had it. So that definitely helped. <laughs> <laughs> that helped me keep me afloat. The apple bottom jeans, yeah. boost with the fur. Mm-hmm. I had all that. <laughs> the jacket, everything. <laughs> so so the, having art as a passion and coming up in that, you know, and then you get older and it's time to, you know, most people go off to college. You went off to college. You have to choose a major. And, you know, us being African-Americans and probably most parents in general, but we can speak to our perspective. Like I was telling you earlier, my brother, you know, he went to school for music and my mom was like, what job you about to get doing music? (laughs) So Mm -hmm. when it came that time for you, what was your family supportive in your endeavors to be like, I'm going to pursue a creative degree, a creative passion? So actually, just to piggyback off of kind of like the first question, because I think I missed the end of your first question because it goes into this question. I always loved art, Mm. but I didn't know until maybe I want to say high school that I was going to pursue a career in like, you know, the art department. I knew it was something I liked, but having my parents in my ear, um, I was going to do maybe like a law school oh, or that's a big difference yeah go to nursing school just because you know they had it in my head that that's the only way i was going to be successful and yeah. my parents were young parents the i was uh they were maybe 19 and 20 when i was born so mm. they didn't want me to have to do they'll struggle the way yeah, they struggled. work they, as hard as they did all yeah, those things. they were like you need something guaranteed because it's this <laughs> not it <laughs> and i was like but i don't want to <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to do that. So uh, it was definitely difficult. I mm. didn't have that support. Definitely butted heads with my father. He's more of a strong personality. I felt like I got a little bit more support from my mom, even though she was kind of leaning in the same direction as him. They just were very unsure. Um, but in the end, I was just like, well, I got to live with it. I'm not. Yeah. I can't. I can't do something that I don't want to do every single day of my life. I I would love to help people, but 
bodily fluids make me squeamish. <laughs> like, I can't go to law school because I hate reading. Like, and I encourage all those people who are still in school, read your books. Go ahead. I did what I had to do. but you know, I reading is fundamental. Right, exactly. But I would not want to do the research. I don't want to have to lie for anybody, get them off, whatever. whatever. It just stressed me out. So I'd rather do something that I love every single day of my life. And hell, so I'll struggle with it, but... Um, it's going to be something that I love to do and I'll make it work. And kudos to you for realizing that at the time you did, because a lot of other people would have just been like, well, I I guess I got to go to school and study what Mm -hmm. my parents want me to study. I got to make my family happy or or there's this pressure to do X, Y, and Z. Mm -hmm. So kudos to you for, for sticking to that. Because like you said, you know, you don't want to be doing something for the rest of your life or have this degree or, have the student loan debt <laughs> for oh. something that you really don't care about that much. Right. Definitely going to have to make it worth it. And that happens, too. I hear that happens. People uh, push themselves through schools uh, to get a degree that they didn't want. Yeah. And then they end up changing it later. But why not just perfect what you enjoy and then make something something of it, have a better plan? You know? That's a fact. And we, you know what we got to normalize, too, is like taking a break between high school and college. Yeah. We got, we got to normalize that because the, the pressure to being like 17 or 18 is like, yo, make this life changing decision that's going to mm-hmm. cost you thousands and thousands of dollars right now without any like foresight of anything. Like we, we, we got to normalize them gap years. Right. Yeah. Because I definitely would have took me a gap year or two or three. Me too. <laughs> me too. Honestly, I keep saying, honestly, I wouldn't have even gone to school because art is just one of those things that come naturally. And yeah. with Everything that we have available on social media these days, it's not necessary. You can learn techniques online. Like, That's a fact, yeah. I spent all that money. But, you know, You're it happened. Gonna... I'm, I'm not going to double back. <laughs> not going to be mad it's at fine. it. You know, it's okay. It is what it is. <laughs> what's, done, what's done is done. Yes. But that's definitely true, too. Like, it, YouTube is really the greatest university out there, man. Yeah. And it's still free somehow, mm-hmm. <laughs> some way. Right, knock on wood, because, you know. Anything you want to learn, want to do, YouTube got it, man. But um, so, you you know, you go through school, you start to transition out of school, you know, you're, you're at where you're at now. So how is it, you know, you, you, you stood up to your parents and said, I'm going to get the degree I want to get because I'm going to do something I love. But then once that journey starts to come to an end, what is it like now having to show them, like, okay, well, now I got to get a job or actually do something that I love. Mm-hmm. What is that transition out like and how has that been for you? You know, oddly, it's been very smooth. I was actually really scared. I thought it was going to be a little rocky and I was prepared for it. I was prepared for having like a regular job and then mm-hmm. um, starting my art on the side and trying to make that progress. Um, but oddly, I like felt I kind of fell into a job. Right after school, like it wasn't, it didn't take me that long. Of course, I didn't have like the manager position right away. I started off as just like an artist teaching. Um, So for those who don't know, I'm actually the manager of Muse Paint Bar at Milford. And I teach classes, um, teach step by step on how to do certain paintings. But I started off as just an artist and, Mm. you know, the pay was okay. It wasn't all that great, of course. Um, And then I was just, you know, doing my art on the side and I had another job where I did a uh, Planet Fitness at night. I was like stretching myself thin. But the night jobs dangerous. Yeah, <laughs> it was definitely it was bad. Overnight, I underestimated it, but I I said I was gonna make it work. Like I didn't go back on my word about 
sticking to having an art career and just waiting for it to happen, waiting for it to flourish. So now working at Muse, right? Uh, you you started as an artist. Now you're a manager. Mm-hmm. What? So being an artist, do you have so everything that they make or paint there? Like if I sign up for a class and I want to do this painting, mm-hmm. do you guys create that artwork and then teach a class, or does Muse have like a list of things and they're like, yeah, this is what we're doing. That's how they do it. Yeah. So it's like a list. They're like pre-assigned paintings, oh. and we as artists can submit some that they can start to put on the library they have to be like you know accepted of course first but we have pre-assigned paintings and we have to kind of look at what's coming up this week and like do the display paintings and then break it down in our heads to be able to teach it to the audience okay which is difficult because when you're an artist you just do something yeah look at it you do it but trying to actually break it down is another story. <laughs> you kind of got to like reverse engineer the painting. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. That's to me that sounds like extremely difficult to see someone else's work and be like, "Okay, now I have to teach someone else how to do something I didn't do myself." Right, especially someone else's work because you know, just art is kind of like handwriting like if it's not something that just comes naturally, it's like really hard for you to kind of repeat, especially art in general. Like it's hard for you to duplicate something. Yeah like exactly photo photocopy it and yeah it's definitely difficult so that was the only thing that i struggled with at work but otherwise i love my job it's pretty cool you know and it, not too many people can say that that they love the job not too many people can say it especially at my age i'm only 24 and i love my job that's a fact yeah cuz i i know at 24 i did not love my job mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I was tired i say i got to find <laughs> something different <laughs> I'm not gonna lie, I am tired, but <laughs> I do love it. But at least you love it. You know, yeah. it's, it's a good tire. It's yeah. a good tire. So, um, along with working at Muse, you're still creating your own pieces. You're still doing a lot of different things. I don't even want to say on the side. It's just like a, it's like another job. You know, it's yeah. another passion. It's something you pour yourself into. Yeah. So, what has that art space for you been like outside of work? I know you had an event. Uh, not too many months ago. Yes. So in November, um, I had an art show. And that kind of was my first step towards getting back into creating artwork for myself or just getting back into that space where I could be creative. Because for a while, I like ran up, I drew a blank. And most of that was from just COVID happening. And it'll do it uh, to you. Yeah, the pandemic. Like, I just was not inspired. I was just kind of worried about work because my, do- my job did close. This was before I got the manager position. Um, so I was really stressed out and I didn't feel like creating. Mm. Um, although I saw things that might have been, you know, fun to create, I just, I just didn't want to. was not motivated. Um, and after that, I, you know, getting into the swing of COVID or like getting into the routine, getting used to everything, I started to miss being around people who were like me Yeah. Uh, because that's what I had at school. I was always around artists creating and that's where I got my motivation. So I was like, you know what, I'm going to do an art show. And that did help me out, actually. Um, I still struggle because my schedule is very hectic. As a manager, I have to do a lot. They put a lot on me. There's a lot of changes because of COVID, but um, I have definitely been trying to make time to create for myself because I don't want to lose my passion because I am like drowning in work, you know, even though work is something I love because it still has something to do with art, but 
you can lose that passion easy if it becomes a, a job. You know what yeah, I mean? There's yeah. a line between work and something you love. I think when your passion starts to feel like a job, you got to take a step back. Like you yeah. got to do, I don't know, some self-care, just breathe for a second mm-hmm. and just just take that step back, recharge and then jump back in it. You know, um, even with this podcast, sometimes I, it feels like a job, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's like, you know, Jordan's take a deep breath, mm-hmm. especially trying to do it every Monday. Every Monday is like holding right. myself to that. I'm proud of myself so far, <laughs> but holding myself to that, that, that that's tough. That's tough. That's tough. But um, as far as the art show, right, mm-hmm. how did you go about making that happen? You know, is it, you know, contacting different people, reserving a space, mm-hmm. having art ready? Like, what are the different, like, if somebody wanted to throw an art show, mm-hmm. what was your process like and, and how difficult was that making that all happen? So it's funny. I am like, a, I'm such a believer of like signs and stuff like that. Mm. Um, I actually went to my friend's art show, which was in the same location, and I was going in support of her. And the guy who kind of runs the space, he was like, Oh, you're an artist too? This is what we do, this, that, and that. You know, kind of giving me information yeah. about the space. Um, and just, you know, a quick rundown of how you would do it. They kind of rent out a space run out the space for a certain price and you can either one pay all of that price yourself and have like a one man show or you can have other vendors and divide the price and because I have not been working on my personal work um like I didn't have any recent pieces because of work I was like you know what I'm not gonna do a one man show because I don't know if I'm gonna have enough material to hang and so I divided it I found vendors Mm. and that's just solely off of people I follow on Instagram because of art school I did have a lot of connections to other students or artists that you know kind of wanted to get their work out there also had that feeling of missing being around a creative space yeah Um, So that was really easy. I just kind of posted it on my story. I was like, you know what? I'm having an art show. Let me know if you'd like to be in it. And it also wasn't just artists. I noticed that in um, the pandemic, there were a lot of people who were starting their own businesses. And I was like, you know what? I'll give them an outlet too. Let's just bring all the people who want to start to put their businesses out there and let them have a table at my show. So there were like people with clothing lines, there were people with wig lines, you know, Momo, my friend, <laughs> and um, you know, just a bunch of other stuff, body butters, all types yeah, of things. Yeah, a little bit of everything. Yeah, a little bit of everything. I've been seeing that happening over the pandemic, but um, you really just got to go for it. You got to do your research. That one just stumbled. That just was, I was blessed with that. Yeah. Um, I didn't have to go looking too hard for it. It just came, it just came on my doorstep and... <laughs> I just rolled with it. I actually want to do another one soon, but I might go for a different location. Mm. I want to do something a little bit bigger. I feel like that was my little first leap. Your little introduction yeah, into the space. My little tester. And I'm going to probably do one for myself coming very soon. So look up for that. Well, Maybe I'm definitely looking forward to it. Yeah. You know, I, I wasn't able to cop a piece then. You know, all the ones I wanted, they were sold out they by took the time it. I got. They snagged those things really quickly. I wasn't expecting that. Yeah. I tried to be like fashionably late and like show up, you know. <laughs> the whole space was gone. <laughs> Everything was gone. Like, literally every vendor who was there was pretty much selling out of stuff and I was like oh dang I should have came like an hour ago yeah. I mean it's the best time to start a business because people will buy it up I really did not expect the turnout that we got 
Um, but you know, like I was telling you earlier, earlier, I'm my biggest critic. So I didn't think anything was going to sell. And then I saw, I sold all but one piece and that was just crazy to me. Yeah. The amount of support. And that lets you know, not even just the support, but how people view you as an artist. True. You know, you're a lot more talented than you may realize. Mm -hmm. And especially like for someone like myself who can't paint nothing, (laughs) like me taking a class at Muse (laughs) is probably the highlight of my artistic career. (laughs) It's, uh, you know, when we see other other artists like we really I like that. You know, my goal when I, I, I own a home, I want my whole house to be just nothing but artists that I know. That'd be dope. Yeah, so I'm, I'm, I'm working my way up there. I got two pieces so far. As long as I'm number one. Oh, you got two pieces <laughs> you cheating on me. I got two so far. <laughs> I bought one at your show. Um, Sade? Yes. I bought one from her. Mm-hmm. She had a Lauren Hill piece that was dope. And then the first painting I bought was from my man Reed out in Georgia. Shout out to Art by Reed. Um, he held it down for me, man. It, he shipped it up to me. It got lost in shipping for a little while, but we oh made it work. Gosh. We made it work. I got to get another piece from him soon, man. Um, but he, he's another dope artist too. I feel like y'all gonna cross paths one day. It's gonna I happen. love that. <laughs> Hit me happen. up, Coco <laughs> underscore Chanel, C H Y N E L L E. Got it down pat. Oh god. So now, transitioning from from art and heading into the second half of the interview, mm-hmm. and you know, part of the reason, not the only reason, but part of the reason why I say you're an inspiration is because you're someone who lives day-to-day with endometriosis yes and not only are you living with it but you're doing everything you can to fight it be strong through it and i applaud you for that because it's not the easiest thing to live with and for people who don't know what that is can you define it for them real quick or just give a a simple explanation as to what endometriosis is right so endometriosis is basically when you have tissue that usually grows uh, within the uterus, um, outside of the uterus. So it's kind of like a foreign tissue, and it grows around your ovaries instead, and that causes, you know, kind of it's a disorder. So it causes like bodily malfunctions. I have like food sensitivities. Mm. Um, I got really really bad back pain, nausea. It was just really bad. Um, it was really hard to kind of just live day to day really it just felt like being sick every day you Mm. know body aches and stuff like that um and it can't be cured you can get a surgery to have the cysts um removed and but there's a possibility it'll grow back so i have not had that surgery yet i'm thinking about it i don't know might not be worth it but i'm working through it i've had to change my diet um, I've had to work out more, you know, those things that people usually go through to maintain their, uh, their weight and stuff, yeah. those fad diets, that's become my life. <laughs> oh man. So it's not a fad. It's a lifestyle. It's now. a lifestyle now. Mm. Yeah. Um, and you know, it's, it's definitely difficult, but it's just one of those things that you just have to, you just have to like take a deep breath and just move yeah. forward like you can't dwell on it mm. i did for a while um it's definitely not the end of the world the world it's a little bit of a, a, a bump in the road but yeah yeah, yeah. definitely getting so now you know living with that and just everything that that comes with that you know when you found out i almost want to ask well what 
were you feeling a way and then you went to a doctor and that's what led you to find out? And then like when you did find out, what was what were the emotions around that? What was the feeling like around that? So it's really weird. Honestly, um, I just felt really sick and tired all the time. I was nauseous and um, my friends like. I would tell them, like, no, don't do this, I feel nauseous. And they would laugh, you know, because people don't know. They just think you're, like, you know, being dramatic. <laughs> yeah. Um, like, oh, you're fine, stop it. You're being dramatic. They don't you're take a hypochondriac. You yeah. yeah. Uh, even my family, like, I would tell them I wasn't feeling well. And they're like, mm, you're a hypochondriac. Um, but what happened was it started to progress, and I could eat something as little as, like, a bite of a granola bar, and I would bloat um, to look like, to the point where I would look like I was pregnant. Wow. Yeah, like I, and I didn't want to eat. And that kind of like played into my lack of energy because I didn't want to eat. I was nauseous. Um, and I had back pains and it was just really bad. So I went to a doctor and, you know, the biggest thing I will say about endometriosis, if you're having symptoms like me, if you're having like nausea, back pain, bad periods, blow, like all that, don't let your doctor just tell you that it's just a bad period. Because I noticed for women that when we bear pain in those months or that time of the month, people kind of just like shrug us off. Like, yeah, they don't, get over they don't it. treat it the way they should. Right. That's just, you know, part of your life. Um, that's not always the case. If Although the pain varies for everybody, it could mean something else. There's PCOS. There's all these other uh, disorders and chronic illnesses that need better attention. And I didn't get that for a while. I only caught it when I was, I think, 19 turning 20, 19 or 20. Um, and it took for internal ultrasound for them to see my cysts. And... Of course, I felt like I was going to die. I was like, what is that? <laughs> I <laughs> could like, imagine, especially was, at that young of an age. It's like, yo, I'm 19, 20, and there's something this seriously wrong with right. me. Yeah. yeah. When you hear cysts, you think cancer. Like, yeah. So when he told me that, like, you know, and I'm not, I'm not really an emotional person. Like, it takes a lot for me to cry. And so after I was told that, I was just silent for a long time. Like, I didn't know what to think. I felt like they didn't give me enough information. They just kind of mm. told you, oh, here, there's something on your ovaries. Bye. Like, <laughs> See you later. See you see later. See you for the, the next follow-up. Right. You'll be okay. Just work out and eat okay. Like, and I'm like, okay. Like, it was just, it was just a moment of, like, just silence. And I remember that car ride back to campus, like, I just like silent cried because I just I just yeah. didn't know how to like, you know, take it in. I uh, didn't really know what to do next from there. Um, and it was just it was really hard. It was hard. But I didn't really start to see like like really big effects of it until recently, until like maybe end of 2019. Mm. So for those of you who don't know um with endometriosis i don't know if i said it before it is not something that can be cured so you can either have the surgery or you can suppress it and i suppressed it i decided to get on the depo shot which is birth control it stops like it stops mm. the whole process of like you know the shedding um of the tissue and like you know just kind of to suppress it from growing further okay um so for a while i 
didn't have back pain. I didn't have nausea. My bloat went away. I started to be able to function again. Felt like a normal human being. Yeah, I was like, okay, I can do this. Like <laughs> so that, this is working. That what was me feeling went away for a while. And mm. then like, you know, I didn't really take it seriously enough. I kind of just did what I wanted to do as far as like eating habits as a 20 year old. Yeah. I was scarfing down wings, <laughs> eating pizza, like you know, a lot of fast food going on, mm-hmm, Chinese dying. and all that. Mm-hmm, <laughs> mm-hmm. Just not taking it seriously, and then it all caught up to me because, um, you know, actually I did try to like diet a little bit, but then I tried to go pescatarian. Don't fad diet. It you have to really pay attention to what your body needs. Do the research, pay attention to what your body needs. But the amount of carbs I was intaking was not what my body wanted. And so I gained like twenty five pounds in like three or four months. Mm. And that's more than I've ever gained. My weight, of course, as a woman, has always been like up and down, like ten pounds, whatever. Yeah, drink a smoothie for a week and it's fine. Fit into your dress by the end of the week. (laughs) Start juicing real quick. Right, exactly. And it didn't happen this time. And I think that's where I was, I really felt defeated. Like, wow, like there's no coming back from this because I did work out for like all of the pandemic, all of the time we were quarantined. And what it really hit me when I would work out with my mom every single day, she lost 30 pounds and I lost five. Wow. And I was like... Yeah, I feel away. Yeah. I was like, okay, I need help. Yeah. It was bad. Man, man. So it sounds like it's something that, you know, it, it's not only was it life changing, but it took over every aspect of your life. Yeah. Whether it was what you ate, you know, how you felt about yourself, different things you had to do. Um, do you feel like you've gained a grasp on the routine of like how your body reacts, you know, what change alters it, changes it and like makes you flare up or whatever it may be? Yeah, a little bit. And it's been hard because like I said, I'm such a foodie. Like (laughs) I've kind of had to erase everything that I've known as far as like eating. Cause even when I was trying to eat healthy, quote unquote, Mm. Healthy for everybody else is not healthy for me. I need to, like, have a exact, like, meal plan. Eating salads with some dressing and, like, you know, things that people usually gravitate to, like granola yeah. and stuff, oatmeal. It's not necessarily what works for me. I have to have a, like, really balanced diet. Yeah. Drink gallon, like, gallon of water a day. I have to drink a gallon of water a day. And... You know, it's hard to kind of like relearn. It's kind of hard to like teach yourself new habits. You got to break habits you have for them 19, 20 years, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's definitely hard. Still adjusting. (laughs) (laughs) So now with with endometriosis, is it something that is hereditary? Like if you do decide to have a family, is that something that your daughter may have one day? Yeah, um, it is hereditary. Actually, my aunt. I think she had a trace of it. She had the surgery and um, she was fine. I guess hers wasn't as severe so that it like kind of shrank and went away. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So it definitely could happen to my daughter. Um, and in that case, I really hope that I can catch it earlier. I feel like and you can't really you can't really do anything to prevent these things. They just sort of happen. Um, one in 10 women have endometriosis. So it's very common. Um, 
I would just say just keep getting checkups to be on top of it. You yeah. Know? Once you have it, you have it. But like the earlier the know, you know, the earlier you can take care of it. Mm. Yeah. And then also with that that whole journey, you know, because you were saying in the beginning, the doctors weren't necessarily supportive. Mm-hmm. Um, You know, they kind of just said, hey, you know, do this and you'll be fine. Like you got it, but you're good. Yeah. But. Even though you didn't get the support from those medical professionals, was there a lot of support coming from your family? Because I know before you said, you know, they're like, oh, you're a hypochondriac and you're fine and you'll be all right. Take some Tylenol or something, you know. But once you found out, did that support start to come or did you have to find it in different ways? Mm, It's still hard. I'm not even going to lie. Like they started to understand that I was, uh, I guess, quote unquote, sick. I'm not like you know, your average thought of sick, but they knew that what I had was serious, but I don't think they're letting themselves accept it. For example, my meals, like I grocery shop for myself. Like we have a totally different diet and, you know, my mom or my brother will see me eat something and he'll be like, oh, she's going vegan. (laughs) She's doing that thing again. (laughs) No. (laughs) Um, so I think they just haven't really let it register. Like, you know, this is this is me. It's my routine. Um, this is my life now. Um, I don't think it's it's kind of inspired them to be a little bit healthier. But, you know, they haven't had anything wrong in yeah. their end. So they haven't really been too serious about Thankfully. it. Um, yeah. But as far as me, they, they kind of just like acknowledge like, hey, this is happening because you have this or whatever mm. before it was like, you know, oh, you're, you're just being dramatic. But they they kind of understand now that the way I act is for a reason. Yeah, you weren't just being dramatic. Yeah. yeah. And, you, and you hit the nail on the head earlier when you were saying that oftentimes, you know, people in general, uh, especially men, we have a fault of like not really respecting the pain of a woman Mm -hmm. or being like, oh, you're just being dramatic or you're overreacting or it's not that serious because our pain tolerances may be different. Mm -hmm. Um, So I definitely, even myself, I catch myself doing that. um, And it's like, Jordan, maybe you should stop because you really don't know how that person feels, Mm -hmm. you know, especially in my relationship. Like, I feel like my girlfriend is in pain all the time. (laughs) And it's like, are you really in pain? <laughs> but she's definitely she's definitely gotten very upset with me. And it's like, all right, Jordan, you know, you got to go about this different. <laughs> like, you got to go about this different. Mm-hmm. But um, that's definitely something that I want to push. And I know you're pushing for it, that uh, we start to respect the pain tolerance of, of, of women in general, you know, mm-hmm. because you you all deal with a lot way more than us men do, you know, and. I salute you 100% for for, for fighting through everything that you fight through. Um, And I know we talked a little bit about the support from your family, but are there, like, support groups for other women who are dealing with endometriosis? Yeah, so I actually have an experience. Um, I joined a group on Instagram called Endo Warriors. There's other women out there with endometriosis, and they have a Facebook as well. Um, and they kind of just chat about what they eat mm. and like what they do like on the daily. And um, as far as like, you know, places for research, I've been looking into that to kind of like donate to get more research on the subject because it's just one of those things that isn't really paid attention about, um, to. Yeah. And you're not seeing no commercials for it. No, yeah. definitely not. <laughs> e- 
even knowing now that their endometriosis is found in one in ten women, ten is not a big number. Every no, every it's ten not. person. Yeah. Um, like I feel like there should be a lot more. I feel like there should be a lot less questions. I feel like there should be more research done. Um, and I'm kind of exploring that myself. I know that there are groups out there and I do follow a few pages on Instagram of women and mm. who share their endometriosis uh, experience. Um, but as far as like other places where there's like donations and other things, I'm sure they're out there, but I'm looking. I'm looking to find those and I'll let you know. <laughs> Definitely share that. Definitely, Definitely share shout that. it out. And, uh, you know, uh, for anyone who's listening, one of the big reasons and one of the main reasons why we did this interview at this time is because it I believe it is Endometriosis Awareness it Month. It is. <laughs> it is. It is Endometriosis Awareness Month and our ribbon color is yellow. I'm actually going to have a photo shoot um, and next week for the subject and I'm going to do some artwork kind of surrounding like my feelings on um, having endometriosis and kind of conveying that. Um, but for as far as a month, this is my first time actually like acknowledging it. And it took me a while to acknowledge this month because it took me a, a while to acknowledge the fact that I had endometriosis, if that mm. makes sense. It took me a long time to kind of accept it, um, especially now that I've kind of been struggling with it a little bit more often um it just took me a while to like do that research yeah. which is why i don't really have the information as far as like you know groups for you to donate to or like you know uh help groups um because i'm just kind of discovering and venturing into that area myself um i think most of the times when people find that there is something wrong or they're battling something they kind of try to ignore it that's and a fact I'm definitely one of those people I did not like want to accept that it could be me you know I was Mm. one of those people that was like oh okay that happens to people but it's not gonna be me it'll never happen to me um I just felt like I grew up normal I did everything I needed to do and for this to happen I was just like wow like, yeah, like why could, me? Right, yeah. So it took me a minute, but I'm definitely acknowledging it now because, like I said, it's not the end of the world. And I'm hoping that me kind of like acknowledging it and giving more information about it, I can help somebody else. And actually, like more that I've that now that I've been speaking out about it, um, the situation, I've found that there have been a lot of people with the same symptom, symptoms as me. And they ask me, like, well, what did you do? Like, how did you find out? What should I do? Like, should I ignore it? Like, girls are going through that, and they're going to find out too late, you know? It could Mm. progress, and you don't want that. You want to try to, like, get as many opinions as you can before it becomes something that you can't really keep under control. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's dope that you, going through this journey of your own, you've been able to help other people in that way and give people advice and just shed that light because you know whenever we're going through something no matter what it may be you're never the only one you know Mm -hmm. i like to say that to people you're never the only one dealing with what you're dealing with you know you just have to reach out and connect with people and be vulnerable enough to share that with other people like for someone to come to you and be like hey what did you do that takes them acknowledging like hey there's something wrong with me and i'm trying to get help for it right and then for you to give that advice is like 
you have to be in a position of I'm actually trying to manage what I'm going through. So, mm-hmm. you know, I, I've said it once. I say it again. Kudos to you, man. A lot of people would, you know, whether it's endometriosis or, or depression or anxiety or, or body image or whatever it may right. be, it's hard for people to really acknowledge like, OK, this is where I'm at. You know, I never thought I'd be here, but this is where I'm at. Mm-hmm. I'm acknowledging where I'm at. What am I going to do about it? Right. What's the next step? Okay. So I'm proud of you for doing that, man. And I, thank, I, I you. thank you for coming on the show. I, I appreciate this. And uh, the last question before I, I get you out of here, right? Mm-hmm. What would you tell? And I ask people this all the time. What would you tell a younger you that you wish you knew now? Well... Definitely eat more salads. <laughs> Get your I kale wish, in. Right. I wish I grew up with a different diet. But um, I definitely would tell my younger self that, you know, things happen and it's not the end of the world. You just fight through. You don't sulk. You don't drown in your struggles. Mm-hmm. You just find a way to push through it and inspire and flourish. Well, look at you. <laughs> well, on that note, oh, yeah, and also before we go, uh, socials, where can people find you again? You know, you had the alphabet all up in it. <laughs> yeah, listen closely. Coco, like chocolate cocoa underscore Chanel, C-H-Y-N-E-L-L-E, because we're unique out here. <laughs> <laughs> you got that perfectly right three right. times. In this, so. <laughs> I've been practicing. <laughs> But uh, thank you for being here. I appreciate you. And uh, to everyone listening, you know, definitely check out the artwork. You know, if you're struggling with endometriosis, I'm sure Tay is a great resource. You know, you're never like she said, one in 10 people deal with it. That's 10 percent of the female population. So some you're, you're probably one person away from, you know, knowing somebody who is dealing with that. So. Uh, reach out, get the supports, take the steps, and remember, you know, life is difficult, but it's not impossible. So thank you for listening to Daily Dimensions. Till next time, peace.